So this past week, I had an interesting experience. Um, I was doing something I don't always do, uh, but I, I often go to playlists that I have built in Spotify, and I listen to a lot of the same music um, over and over. <clears throat> uh, but this last week, I just started scrolling through and, and looking through some old stuff, and um, I came across a Disney classic playlist all the old Disney songs that, that really were written um, like when I was a kid. I'm talking about those Disney classics um, like Aladdin, Lion King, um, um, all uh, Little Mermaid. Just this whole list of all these songs that showed up on this. Um, when I was a, a teenager, a lot of these movies came out and they were popular. And um, I was playing some of them for... Uh, for Ellis, seeing if he knew any of these songs, because a lot of these movies he hasn't even seen before. But basically that carried over into a moment kind of publicly in our house. Um, I was putting dinner together one evening and um, I had called everybody down for dinner and I had a speaker going there and I had some of these songs and um, I was singing through these songs and everybody walks in the kitchen and of course they're like, what is going on? You know, <laughs> Because here I am sitting there like, singing Aladdin. I mean, how, how often does that happen when you walk in your kitchen is somebody singing the songs from Aladdin? But I was amazed, even though it's probably been like 30 years, no joke, 30 years since I've sung a bunch of these songs, I was amazed at my retention of the melody, the lyrics, all like everything about it. I knew exactly where it was going. And I mean, I struggle all the time. If you know anything about me as a worship pastor, you know that I don't, I'm terrible with lyrics. I don't remember these things. It just doesn't stay with me that well. But these old songs, they are lodged in there like for good. They're stuck. And I think it's because music has this, this unique ability to stay with you, right? It's, it's got this really unique ability to, to not just impact your, your intellect, like the lyrics don't just get lodged in your mind, but the combination of, of maybe the, the feeling of the melody and the feeling of the beat can take you back instantly to a feeling that you had when you connected with a song at a certain time. And I think it's, it's not a secret to any of us. All of us have experienced this before. There's probably songs in your life that have significance. Maybe it's like a wedding song, you know, a song that, that you um, heard or had played on your wedding day, or maybe one you sang to your, to your spouse, or maybe it's a song that was significant to you and your family, or maybe it's a song from here at church that means a lot to you. Maybe not necessarily one that you sing all the time, but something that's familiar to you. And so there it sits lodged away somewhere in your brain because music is powerful, right? Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our, what can wash away my sin? Once like a bird in Prison I dwelt. No freedom from my. So we know these songs. Many of those you probably have not sung in church in a long time, right? I grew up on those songs too. There, there are many of them that we sang over and over and over when I was a kid. And those are there to stay. 
I will never forget the lyrics of many of those songs, even though for some of you this morning, you have no clue what we just did. You don't know those songs. But we could, we could go through some, some more contemporary songs that we sing on a regular basis, and you'd be able to recite those lyrics. Or the same as, again, you know, maybe not necessarily for a church song, but just a song in general. You have a connection. It's not unique to me as a music pastor, as a musician, somebody who's made... Um, music, my, my goal in life to, uh, to serve the Lord through music and made a career out of this, it's not unique to me. It's just music in general. We all have that connection somehow because it's powerful. And so because of this, I think it's a regular part of all of our lives. And that's why Pastor Dennis asked me a couple of weeks ago, would you talk about worship as a part of discipleship? How is this a part of our regular lives? How can we use music, can we use worship as a part of our regular everyday life to become more like Christ, to become disciples of Christ, more like Jesus? That's the goal in all of this. Be more like Christ. On the surface, there's a couple of things right away that, that um, I think are immediately a struggle. Uh, number one is the, the association that we all have right away. When we say worship, we instantly think of music, right? We think of the musical portion of a church service. We think of singing songs together. We all have these memories right away, and, and, and that's what instantly comes to mind. So that's a challenge. We have to get around that at first and establish the fact that we're not just talking about the music. When we say worship, that's not what a lifestyle of music or a lifestyle of worship entails, the second thing is just this, that <clears throat> um, music is personal to each of us. So we have preferences. We have strong feelings about these things. We have strong feelings about worship. Um, and I'm thankful that Pastor Dennis has led us through a series of, of talks on this concept of discipleship and that we're all pursuing this opportunity to be more like Jesus um, We've talked about a variety of topics. We've, we've dealt with things, though, that have been important to him and things that we want to implement into our lives to be more like Christ. Has this been a blessing to anybody? Has anybody gotten anything out of this series? Aren't you grateful for our pastor? Hasn't this been amazing? Well, I want to say he told me to say all this stuff this morning. So if I step on your toes, if this offends you in any way, he said it. He he told me to do all this. So thank you, Pastor Dennis. The other challenge is this, and it's kind of unique to us in scripture, is that we, as, as we talk about discipleship and the goal of being more like Christ, there's not like a ton of examples in scripture of Christ as a worshiper, right? He, he did the things that we associate with worship. He did the regular worship things. He attended um, services. He, he, he worshiped, he read scripture, he did all of these things, but because those were normal, everyday, natural things um, for people to do, it's not always recorded in scripture because a lot of those things are kind of assumed. So when we, when we want instructions for how to be worshipers and we look to scripture and we look specifically to the life of Jesus, we have to understand first and foremost, there's not a, a simple one, two, three, or ABC kind of plan to say this is exactly how you do it just like Jesus. We have to read the text and establish, 
overall in his life and ministry and overall in scripture, what are the lessons and the things that we can take away from, from this in order to be more like Christ as worshipers? And this is going to be a, a very different message for me. If many of you, if you know that I, um, you've been here when I've spoken before, I really like to take a passage, a verse, a passage, a story, and just really dive in deep to that one thing and just dissect that and, and see what all can we draw out of the text from this one thing. But this morning, we're going to go a little bit different. I'm going to pursue this topic and I'm going to apply a ton of scripture this morning. And so I want to encourage you as we're working through this today and as the slides are on the screen, I want to encourage you, if you see something that resonates with you, take a picture of it. There's going to be a lot of scripture on the screen. And so this hopefully will be something that you can go back and study over and over. And as we all continue to become worshipers, uh, more like Christ, then maybe we can continue to study and learn these things and apply them. But if it's too much and I lose you along the way because it's just boring and not that applicable to you, I want to give you the main point right up front. Worship is not music. When I say worship, I don't mean that. I mean worship is the pursuit of God. And it can be the pursuit of God in many things. As we pursue after the Lord, we are developing a lifestyle of worship. And I think that we've covered a lot of these things already in this discipleship series, but this pursuit of the Lord is very specific to us in the, con in the context of worship. And we're going to talk about four different areas this morning, how we can pursue God in these four areas of our life. This is not a completely exhaustive list, exhaustive list but it's four things that I think are incredibly important to us to remember and to apply to our lives as we become more like God and more rounded in our worship life. So first of all, how do we get there? We pursue God with our head. We pursue him with our head. What do I mean by that? We have to know about God. We need to learn about the Lord. We need to discover things about the Lord, which is all available. Information is so available these days and there's so much of it that is readily available to us at our fingertips in God's word. Who is he? Who is God? Here's what scripture says, and I'm gonna run through a, a, a long list and give you some examples here, but first of all, God is spirit. John 4, 24 says, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. He's, he's not a, a physical God with hands and feet, with eyes and ears like we think of. We, we apply those attributes to him so that we can understand more about God. But God is spirit. He's not a physical thing that we can put our hands on and reach and feel and touch. But he, at the same time, is still personal. God is a someone. That's why he has multiple names. God is a personal God. Exodus 3.14 says, God replied to Moses, I am who I say I am. I am means I am someone. I am someone you can know. I am someone you can relate to. I am someone you can have an, an encounter with. And God is everywhere. God is omnipotent which also means he's not absent from anywhere. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? There's nowhere we can go. As many songs say, there's nowhere we can go where we can hide from his love. We can escape his love or that we can, we can be absent from his love. 
We pursue the Lord, but the Lord also pursues us. God is everywhere. God is eternal. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge and is everlast, his everlasting arms are under you. God is unchanged. He's always the same. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God knows everything. Psalm 147.5, how great is our Lord. His power is absolute. His understanding is beyond comprehension. God is all powerful. Psalm 115.3, our God in the heavens is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. There's nothing our God cannot do. God is separate. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is righteous. Psalm eleven seven. for the righteous Lord loves justice. God is love. First John 4, 8 is all about that. God is good. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And God is wise, Romans 16, 27. All the glory to the only wise God through Jesus Christ forever, amen. These are just a few of God's amazing qualities. And if we pursue the knowledge of him, I'm convinced the natural outcome is that of discovering thing, these things is worship, how could you not worship a God that is those, that list of things and many more? The natural outcome as we learn about God, as we pursue knowledge, as we store up things about our Lord in our mind is to worship him. I read this quote that I, I, I tucked away long ago and, and just this list of things, but it says, understanding the Lord is our greatest form of worship. I believe that with all my heart. That's why I want to know about God. I'm fascinated by learning more about creation, the vastness of, of, of what we are a part of, understanding that we can't even begin to fathom and we're continuing to learn more and more about the expanse of creation. I'm fascinated by that. I'm blown away by God's amazing power to speak and to call something into existence. And when I understand that, it, it naturally inspires worship in my life. So if that's who God is in a nutshell, and again, it's not a complete list, who am I? Who am I in, in light of, of, of these things? And I, I wanna give a side note before we jump into a list of these things that our identity who am I? What scripture says about me, my identity is not a decision. Our true identity in Christ is already decided for us. The more that we agree with God about our identity in Christ, the more our behavior will begin to reflect that God-given identity. So to understand our identity is to embrace who God says about us and accept what he has for us. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more in a bit, but who are we? Who does scripture say we are? First of all, it says, I am loved. First John 3, 3 says, I am loved. And let me, let me illustrate this in this way, because a lot of times 
I think it's important to dig into scripture, but if we want some really practical ways that we can demonstrate these things in addition to scripture, when we, when we talk about being loved, here's an idea. What if we go in and we also assign some songs that reinforce this as well? We have scripture that says, I am loved, I am God's chosen, I am his, his child. David Crowder wrote, he loves us, oh how he loves us. Remember that song? He loves us, oh how he loves us. I am accepted, Ephesians 1, 6. I am a child of God, John 1, 12. I'm a child of God, yes I am. Remember that one? I am Jesus's friend, John 15, 14. What a friend we have in. Or, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I'm joint heirs with Jesus, sharing in his inheritance. Romans 8, 17. Thank you, Gaithers. Anybody love the Gaithers? The Gaithers gave us this great song. Joint heirs with Jesus as we travel with or as we travel this sod, right? As we travel this sod. <clears throat> and I, I, I started thinking about that as I wrote that down. I was like, man, if I were writing that song, it probably wouldn't have said sod. I'd love to have some sod. But if I invited the Lord to travel along with me, it'd be more like hopscotch, jumping from one patch of grass to another in my yard. Um, the Gaithers must be doing something right, though, because... I mean, <laughs> we travel this sod. It seems like that's everywhere they go. They're just always on sod, this big, giant, plush pillow of luscious green grass. I am united with God. I'm one in spirit, 1 Corinthians six seventeen. I am a temple of God. I'll let you Google some songs that illustrate these things, but seriously, it's a good exercise to go through and realize that so many of the things that we sing are directly taken from Scripture, they are just scriptures that have been set to melody so that we can allow these things to resonate in our, in our hearts. I am a temple of God. I am a member of Christ's body. I am a saint. I am redeemed and forgiven. I am complete in Jesus Christ. I'm free from condemnation. Thank you, Romans 8.1. So therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation because I am in Christ. I am chosen by God, holy and dearly loved. I am established, anointed and sealed by God. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. I am God's co-worker. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ. I have direct access to God. I'm chosen to bear fruit. I'm God's living stones. I've been given exceedingly great and precious promises. Your promises never fail. Your promises never fail. I love the way that, that Pastor Dennis has put it before. Saying, you know, sometimes we, we sing these songs and it's a good exercise for us because it's like it's, it's kind of causing us to say things that, that we know are true, but we don't necessarily believe deep down just yet. Sometimes when we're, we're here and we're in a room like this and we're singing things like, your promises never fail, or you are the passion of my life, 
We say things, those are strong statements. You are the passion of my life. There are many passions I have in my life. And I think if I'm honest, there are times in my life when maybe that wasn't my number one passion. Pursue a lot of things in life. But these songs, they, they, they cause us to say things and to begin to recite them over and over as we sing through them throughout the day and throughout the week. And it reinforces this message. that Yes, God's promises never fail. Why? Because he's faithful. He's the same like we talked about yesterday and today and forever. He is the same God always. That's just a portion of what scripture says about us. And I'm convinced that when we know about God, it will inspire us to get to know God. So we pursue God with our heads, but we also pursue him with our hearts. It can't stop as simply knowledge, but it has to turn into something that is a relationship. It's a two-way street. We're not just gaining information, but we are moving in in a direction toward relationship. We are pursuing God. Many of us pursue things in life. We pursue careers. We work years and years and years and we study hard. We prepare and and then we, we actually begin a career and we continue to work at it. We pursue careers. We pursue hobbies. We pursue certain goals in our life and we devote time and energy an effort in so many ways to pursue goals. We pursue people in life. And these things can be just a, 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 um, a, maybe just an indicator of what it's like to pursue something. But imagine if we pursued a relationship with the Lord with the same fervor that we pursue other things. I'm in the market right now for a, um, a truck. I drive a 22-year-old car that um, Tanner's back there cheering in the back of the room. My kids hate my car. I drive a car that I bought before I even graduated college and I'm 43 years old right now. Um, It's been paid for for two decades and it continues to run. Every time I get in it and start the key, it fires right up. It gets me where I need to go. But I'm in the market for a new vehicle and because of that, I'm studying like crazy. I, I read reviews. I've talked to people. I've gone and driven things. I am all in on this to, to make sure that I get the right vehicle. And I will be honest with you. Sometimes when I'm sitting in the mornings on my phone and I'm scrolling through scripture and through my devotion, a thought will pop into me. I wonder if the bed will accommodate this. And I, next thing I know, where am I at? I'm pursuing more information about this truck. Imagine if we could pursue the Lord the way we pursue other things in life. And it's not all bad. I mean, there, there are so many ways that, that we pursue things in life that it's, it's good for us to do that. I think of Brittany and I, the way, you know, we've known each other almost, the, almost our entire lives. We've known each other a long time, but we still are getting to know each other. We're still pursuing information about each other. Just this last week, um, and I gave her this illustration just the other day when she came in from work and she thought it was funny and kind of silly that I thought that this was meaningful, but she had gone to the store and bought groceries. She was going to be at the IF conference on Friday night and um, she bought groceries so that the kids and I could cook a meal at home on Friday evening. 
And we were doing tacos and she came in with this pile of avocados and she said, I got avocados, but I didn't get the pack of avocado or guacamole seasoning because I know that you don't like the guacamole seasoning packets. You like to flavor it yourself. I was like, yeah, that's right. I don't like those packets. I like my own seasoning. But that was special to me that she took time to know that I don't like those little packets. I want to season it myself. That's just a little thing. Such a small thing, but at the same time, it goes a long way toward saying, listen, I care what you care about. I've paid attention to the things that you pay attention to, and I did this for you. The week before that, it's tax season, which I'm sure everybody is excited about. Um, We have this file that, you know, it continues to stack up throughout the year, and every year it's like this giant mountain by the time the year is over, Um, and Brittany always does that filing. She's always going through, sorting everything into piles and all that stuff. She had gone to work, and we're in the middle of some big projects at the house, and I had plenty of things to do. But the thought crossed my mind as I was dropping the kids off for school. I was like, I could file all that stuff for her today. I could sort through all those things and get that done. And I'll have you know, when she walked in the door, I was like, (laughs) standing there in the middle when she walked in, in the middle of this pile all these stacks of bills that were all filed out I had them organized into um, into different companies and I had them even categorized so that like the oldest was was here and you know it went in in sequential order all the way through I was so proud of myself I was like look what I did because I knew that that would be so meaningful to her I was pursuing her in that way. I thought, I, this is one way I can make her life easier, her life better. And I, man, I won on that one. I'll tell you that much. <clears throat> but we pursue things in life, right? The Lord says, pursue me. Jesus' example here, Matthew six thirty three, he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, above all else, Seek the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. First Chronicles twenty two nineteen says, Now seek the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Matthew twenty two thirty seven says, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. And some uh, some books say with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's a reminder to pursue the Lord. Relationship is about pursuit. If one side pursues and the other does not, what happens? It's a recipe for disaster. We see this all the time in our culture where people are caught up in selfish relationships. One member of a relationship is is working hard to make it work and the other is selfish and stuck in their ways and they're not going anywhere. May that never be the case in our relationship with the Lord. May we pursue the Lord as he pursues us. So how do we do this? Some of it we've talked about already, but we study his word. We spend time in prayer and devotion. We regularly attend church and we regularly serve the church. These are just a few ways that we can pursue the Lord. Why does it matter? Why does it matter if we read the word? How are we going to know about the Lord if we don't study his word and study the things that he's accomplished in life, who he is? How are we ever going to get to know him if we don't spend time in prayer? How will we have community 
meaningful community, people to do life with, if we are not regularly involved in church attendance. And beyond that, how will we be more like Christ if we don't put others first? It would be so easy for us to do a few of these things. But this is just a way that we can pursue the Lord by getting to know him, by pursuing a relationship, by connecting with his people and by serving the church. The third thing is this, we pursue God with our will. Luke twenty two forty two says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An example directly taken from Christ. He knew full well what he was walking into. He knew the pain and the suffering that was just ahead of him through crucifixion. People of this culture of this day, because it was a public execution, they knew what happened. They knew what was ahead for people who were crucified. And when Christ prayed these words, I'm convinced that he meant every ounce of them. God, I do not want to do this. I do not want to face this physical suffering. I don't want to feel the pain. I don't want to endure all that lies ahead of me. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours. You see, our sinful nature the things that are stored on the inside of us will always compete for our will in life. It's one of the hardest battles that we have to fight is to deny ourselves. Like Christ said, if you're to follow after me, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will. This is the psalmist writing this. These aren't Christ's words. This is the psalmist. Teach me to do your will for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. There's a worship leader um, who was popular several years ago, um, had several songs that were pretty well known. um, And I've recently read through a study of his. He puts it this way. He says, if the worship we're offering isn't sacrificial, then is it worship? If it doesn't cost you something, then is it truly worship? Not my will, but thine be done. The last thing is this. We pursue God with our bodies. Pursue God with our bodies. Sorry, I couldn't help that. Um, Those are just a few things you can practice at home if you want to take a picture of that. Um. Maybe to make it more memorable, say it this way. Next slide, please. Honor God with your bod. Can we say that together? Honor God with, honor God with your bod. We align our heads, the knowledge that we gain about the Lord with our hearts, the pursuit of relationship, with our will. We submit to the Father And the hope is that naturally the outcome will be some sort of 
overflow in our life. We honor the Lord with our body, and it's, you know, we, we often, we think of honoring God with our bodies, and um, we, we think, you know, sexual purity. We think of different things, maybe, maybe a, a, a dietary change that we need to make so that we honor God's temple, like we talked about. Um, but we can honor the Lord with our body. You know, when we're attending a, uh, a Chiefs game, probably not a Royals game, but if we're attending a Chiefs game and something amazing happens, we all join in together, right? We scream, we clap our hands, we raise our hands, we're like, yeah, this is so amazing. There's so much excitement and enthusiasm as we celebrate that we can't help but, but the overflow is physically to respond to something that's happening. And I, I don't ever want in any way to coerce your emotions when we come to a, um, to a worship service. I can do that. I mean, just being totally honest, I, I know how to do my job at this point in life. There are lots of little tricks that I could do musically that might evoke a certain emotion or reaction out of you. Sometimes we, we, we even practice things that we know will, will continue or maintain a spirit of worship at different points in the service. Um, so there are things that we can do, but the goal is not for, for us to manipulate your emotions into worshiping Christ. It's to inspire you through relationship to where you have no other option but to worship the Lord, to physically honor the Lord with your body because it's become such a, a passionate pursuit of the Lord that now you are inspired to respond. When I say, let's clap our hands or let's raise our hands, the goal is for us not to, to just simply uh, uh, be, be manipulated into doing that, but no, it's to say, hey, look, if the Lord has been good to you, let's give a shout this morning. If God is, is beyond your comprehension this morning, you're amazed at his ways, at who he is, at his holiness, at his righteousness, can we pause a moment and raise our hands to him? Can we physically respond? We bow down. Genesis 24, 26 says, then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord. We clap our hands, Psalm 47, 1. Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. We raise our hands. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord who serve at night in the house of the Lord. Lift your hands toward the sanctuary and praise the Lord. We sing out loud. We sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Again, this list isn't complete. There are many more things we could talk about. We could talk about dancing. We could talk about maybe some of the other emotions that we can do to reflect on God's goodness. But there are things physically that should be a response naturally when we pursue a relationship with the Lord. One of the things that, that um, Pastor Dennis really wanted me to cover this morning is um, you know, we, we've, we go through these seasons in life, not just personally, but also as a church. We've been in this season recently, and, and I don't know exactly the cause for it, but we've been in a season where the worship doesn't quite seem as passionate as, as it has been in other times. And so we've talked about that, and we've talked, what can we do to change that? 
How can we teach about this to inspire worship and engagement in our services? And again, we don't in any way ever want to manipulate But I think that what we have to do, first of all, is establish where does worship come from? It comes from pursuing the Lord. And if we're pursuing the Lord, then how should that look when we come together? There are many temptations that cause us to not engage in worship. A lot of times, you know, when we come together, I I know that in a room this size, it, it can be difficult. There can be sounds, there can be people, there can be things that are distracting that, that kind of pull us away from our focus on the Lord. It can be maybe a song that's new to you and you don't know the lyrics. It's not like, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. You can't just sing it all day long without even thinking because it's deeply rooted in there. Maybe you don't like the style. Maybe you don't like it when the lights go down. Maybe you don't like this smoke machine back here. I don't, I don't know what it is. But there are times when certain things distract us and we have to make a conscious decision in those moments when things aren't necessarily completely up to our liking, what are we going to do? Are we going to let those things hold us back from a connection with the Lord? Let me be honest for a minute. I don't like all the songs we sing. And that might be hard to believe because yes, I'm the one who chooses them. I put these, these, um, these songs together, but I don't like them all. We sing these songs because lyrically, they are appropriate. There are good things in these songs that are good reminders that put our minds on truths of scripture and cause us to vocalize promises of the Lord that we may not fully, like we talked about a moment ago, we may not fully believe or experience, but we know to be true. So I may not like a song, but we might sing it anyway. You might not like all the songs, but we're gonna sing them anyway. And I hope every now and then, it is my goal, it is my goal to 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 put together a portion of service that you can engage in. But I hope that if, if we continue, you know, maybe week after week to sing a song that is not your favorite, I hope that what you will do is make a decision in your life as you pursue the Lord to rise above the things that you may not necessarily like and engage anyway. Why? Because he's worth it. Are we singing to the author of these songs? Are you singing to me? Are we singing to each other? No, we're singing to the Lord. We are worshiping the Lord. We are raising our hands for the Lord. When I say clap your hands, it's not because it makes me feel good. It's because the Lord is worthy of our praise. Can we clap our hands? Can we do that? Can we worship the Lord together? I want to very quickly wrap up with just a couple of disclaimers. First of all, these are things that worship is not. Worship, like we've talked about multiple times, worship is not the music. It's not, it's not just the music. The music is a vehicle. It's a tool to help us worship. Worship is also not pretend. The things that you do while worshiping in this room should never be fake. I don't want it to be phony. 
I don't want things to be, to be uh, motivated by some sort of show. It should be something that is real and sincere to you. It's also not denial. When you say, God, I know that this is true. When we say, for I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful. We're not denying that there are bad times. We're not denying sometimes when we walk in this room, we're in a terrible mood. We're in a terrible situation. We don't know how we're going to come up with money to put gas in our tank the rest of the week. We're not denying those things. We're singing of God's truth, of God's reality. So worship is not denying your life, but rather it's taking your perspective off of those things and putting it on the Lord, his ability, his goodness, his righteousness. And it's not just a physical posture. But let me say this, sometimes it can help. I love it when we, when we start our service off and Pastor Jeremy says, hey, do this, put a smile on your face. What does that do? It just immediately lifts your spirits puts you in a different frame of mind if you smile. It's something that we've all learned in life. We don't do it, but we've learned that, right? So sometimes when you're here in this room and you do not feel like worshiping, I want to encourage you. It's not limited to these things, but if you will just say, God, I'm yours. God, I'm so grateful for who you are, for what you've done in my life. I commit to you, Lord, and I worship you. If you just make that your goal to participate, sometimes it's the, it's the encouragement that you need to take your focus from your situation, from your life, and focus on the Lord. So when do we praise? We praise when we feel good. We praise when we don't. We praise when we're happy. We praise when we're sad. We praise when we've gotten our miracle. Or we praise when we're still looking. We praise when we're confident in the Lord. We're certain of his goodness. And we praise in the moments when we doubt. When we're just not sure. So this morning I want to leave you with this. As we pursue the Lord. It's a decision It's a lifestyle that we pursue day after day after day. I look around this room and I I see so many people that are an inspiration, things that you've walked through, situations that you've, you've prayed through, maybe even some of you this morning that you're still walking through. And I think, man, you are such an inspiration to us. How can you still walk in here and worship the Lord this morning? It comes from that pursuit of him, from pursuing the Lord in relationship, taking what you know to be true about the Lord and allowing that to motivate you to follow after him, to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And the overflow is this response, saying, here am I. Here am I.
I want you to know that um, Brittany and I love all of you. We do this because we love the Lord and we love his church. We love what he's called us to do. And I love doing that together with each of you. So this morning, I hope that this can be an encouragement to you and that as we move forward as a church, we don't get hung up on the things that are uncomfortable for us. We don't get hung up on the things that we're walking through that would distract us from a relationship with the Lord. But we pursue him for who he is, for what he's done, and what he still wants to do in your life. Amen? God, we thank you. Bow your heads with me this morning. God, we thank you so much that you long to have relationship with us. And we pray this morning, Lord, that we would do our part, Lord, to be faithful to pursue you as well. And God, I pray that as we move forward as a church, that we would be committed, Lord, to that relationship and that it would just inspire worship. God, may our hearts be bound together and love and unity as we serve one another. And God, I pray that the natural outflow would be, Lord, just a spirit that's contagious, Lord, that people would not be able to deny your love and the light that you desire to shine through each of us. God, may we go from here to change the world for your glory. Amen. Amen. Pastor Jeremy's going to close us out this morning.